New York City is still mourning over the um, loss of two very, very brave police officers, two young men who had their whole lives ahead of them, who chose to dedicate their lives to public service, who were just trying to do their job and are now dead. Well, somebody that uh, this has become an all-too-familiar scenario to is a good friend of mine and a great New Yorker and a great public servant in his own right. That's uh, Sergeant Joe Imperatrice, the founder of Blue Lives Matter NYC. Joe, thanks for staying up late. I appreciate you joining me on the radio. Frank, yeah, I'm excited to come on with you all day, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, same here, same here. And uh, uh, again, obviously, I wish it was under better circumstances. For people that are not familiar with your group, Joe, I think probably people have heard the term Blue Lives Matter. Uh, what do you guys do? What's your organization all about? Frank, it's incredible you say that because so many times when they meet me or they see me on TV, they'll say, wait a minute, I thought that was just a slogan. I had no idea it had anything to do with an organization. Well, we're not just an organization. We're a registered nonprofit. And as Frankie said earlier, uh, after the deaths of Detectives Ramos and Lou, me and my two co-founders, Carlos Delgado and Chris Brinkley, we came up with Blue Lives Matter NYC. We started off with silicone wristbands that were intended to raise just a little bit of money for the two families. And it blew up into a household name, registered nonprofit. We've raised close to $2 million, and the main purpose is to help the families of officers killed in the line of duty or diagnosed with life-threatening disease. But along the way, I've also been out there uh, doing the best I could to advocate for police, to show that not every police officer is bad, because back in 2014 and 2015, every day you'd wake up and the front page of the paper or... The, the news that you're watching was villainizing police officers, kind of like they've been doing the last few years. But, uh, you know, I'm going to do everything that I can with every breath in my body to try to change things for the better, Frankie. It's not always easy, but God has a plan, and I'm going to follow that path. It seems like of late, uh, this year, even though it's only 27 days old, this year specifically, we're seeing an uptick in police officers being shot, not just in New York, but around the country. Is that actually accurate? Can you speak to that? Or is that just my perception that it just seems like there's more cops being shot these days? Not only is it accurate, it's reality. The first day of, of the new year, we had a police officer shot. Thank God he was alive you know, and, and lived through it. But in the last week and a half, five police officers shot in New York City, two killed, an 11-month-old baby shot in the face, a 40-year-old woman pushed in front of a train, what was it now, Frank, two or three weeks that, that we had the 19-year-old killed right. in Burger King? You know, the day after our two NYC New York City police officers were shot, a Houston police officer shot and killed in the line of duty. Since then, we've had several nationwide. There's not just an attack on police. It's just a complete disregard for human life. And I truly believe that you have these politicians that go in front of a podium, spew hate, spew lies, don't give the facts, and you have people that are mentally ill that actually follow through and take this to heart. And they go and they follow through, just like with Ramos and Lou, a gentleman from Baltimore put on social media that he was going to have pigs fly. He took a train to New York City, and the first two cops he saw, he executed. And that's what we're seeing all across this nation. On top of that, Frank, bail reform, weak DAs, just like we have Alvin Bragg in New York City, telling criminals, we're not going to prosecute pretty much go out and do anything short of murdering somebody, and you'll be back on the street. Don't worry about it. The criminals listen, and that's why we're in such trouble in all these cities. So what do you think is behind the uptick in police shootings? Is it is it a function? I know you uh, you specifically mentioned the 
um, you know, these certain prosecutors that don't really put an emphasis on prosecuting criminals. But even Alvin Bragg always said that uh, he wanted to refocus the efforts of his office on violent crime. I can't imagine Alvin Bragg would have been okay, even tacitly with uh, with police officers being shot. Why are we seeing uh, these people, whether they're criminals or people that are mentally disturbed or people that are mentally disturbed, people with a a lengthy criminal history? Why are we seeing them target police officers just for being police officers all of a sudden? It's a different style of policing. I have 16 years on. I hate saying that because it makes me realize that that life is going before my eyes. But when we were out there, we had the support of not only our neighborhoods, which is still the case, but our politicians. And we went out there and we were police officers. We followed the law. We swore an oath and we did everything possible within our training tactics to keep our neighborhood safe, Frank. We go out there and it was a mutual respect between us and the bad guys. Now that might sound dumb to some people, but they knew that they were going to push the limit as long as we weren't around. But if we caught them, it was a game and they lost for the day, but it was a mutual respect. They knew that we'd stop question and possibly frisk, that we had the right to go up to them if we believed they were committing or about to commit a, a penal or misdemeanor or felony, and we thought or we observed what appeared to be a firearm or a bulge or a knife, we were going to go and take those illegal you know, weapons off the street. And we'd, we'd get out of a van, Frank. We, we'd pull up in this big van. You see us coming down the block. We'd open the door, and people would literally lift up their shirts to show us that they had nothing. Nowadays, the new generation has no idea what it's like to be stopped by the police. They think they can spit in their faces, curse at them, tell them that they're street lawyers. You can't touch me. They pretty much know that they're going to be back out on the street the very next day or if Mm. not that night. So this is the issue. So if we can go back and slowly convert back to real policing and and accountability. Frank, if you get caught with a gun today, you're out the very next day. Uh, A majority of these shootings that we're seeing, these guys are out on open gun charges, open gun cases. There was a time where you got caught one time, three years you were in jail, two times, 10 years. So if we went back to that, there were consequences, accountability, there'd be a huge shift. Uh, We're talking with Joe Imperatrice. He's the founder of Blue Lives Matter NYC. You can check out their website, bluelivesmatternyc.org. They do uh, a lot of great work helping the families of uh, of fallen police officers. Uh, Joe, this was um, New York City's Mayor Eric Adams a couple of days ago talking about his plan to combat gun violence, is what he said. We are going to do a lot more than pray. We're going to turn our pain into purpose. We're going to unite and take action. New Yorkers feel as if a sea of violence is engulfing our city. But as your mayor, I promise you, I will not let this happen. What are you what are you, what's your take Joe on what you're hearing from Eric Adams? Is this someone that you think has a handle on the situation? He's had it rough since day one. I think he spent more time in hospitals than he has in his own office. And it's not like he's been able to sit down and actually celebrate being mayor, especially with his police officers getting attacked so often and the high-profile incidents. I think Eric Adams has the best of both worlds. Now, why do I say that? Well, he was a state senator, if I'm correct, the borough president, and also a captain in the largest police department in the world. If he puts those two together and uses them properly and doesn't play any political games and goes head-on and follows through with what he says he wants to do, he can be a force to be reckoned with. But 
If he gets sucked in into this political game and political pressure, he's going to go so far left that it's going to screw everything up. But the best thing for him right now is he has a clean slate. He gets to prove himself. Allow him to go out there and either be successful or fail. But we have to be on his side and hope that we can bring New York City back because Mayor de Blasio drove this city into the ground, the greatest city in the world. And if Eric Adams has that passion, has that flair, I believe he could definitely get it done. Hmm. Well, uh, one of the things that we're seeing is clearly there is an issue with um, dealing with the violently mentally ill, particularly if they have a weapon. Are there any changes that you'd like to see in terms of how New York deals with the problem of the seriously mentally ill? I would, and and I believe we have to bring back our our, uh, homeless outreach unit, really, to capacity. We have to be compassionate, but at the same time, what people need to realize is the majority of individuals that call 911 is because it's the last resort. If they're calling us because they're saying someone's mentally ill and violent, it's because they can't control them. It's because they may get hurt or they may hurt themselves. So officers are going to have to do something in a sense of, yes, maybe putting them in handcuffs if they're a danger to to their environment, But we do not have to lock them up every single time we get called to a scene. We need to have state-of-the-art places other than emergency rooms and psych centers where we can bring them to so that we can try to rehabilitate them. That should be the purpose, a clean environment where it's a one-stop shop where you have doctors and nurses and security staff. You have food and showers and clean beds. You have psychologists and and, and social workers. And, you know, we need to step up our game because we always talk about, well, the mentally ill, the system's failing. Yeah, but what is what is our politicians doing to correct it? They're not doing anything. So let's put our money. I'd rather see them put money into things like that with taxpayer dollars than wasting it on stupid programs like we saw with the last administration, like Thrive NYC that did nothing. And that billion dollars could have went to really helping the people that sure. needed it most in a mental health um, you know, topic. The, the, my colleague Dominic Carter has been saying, and a lot of the callers seem to agree with him, that in the case of the murder of uh, officers Mora and Rivera, that maybe there's some culpability from the mo- on the part of the mother of the shooter, who clearly was aware that her son had a, a gun fetish and was clearly aware that her son was violently mentally ill and that thought he was God. Uh, some people are saying that the mother should have done a better job advising the police that uh, her son was likely to be armed, particularly given the fact that the mother had a law enforcement background. What about you, Joe? Do you think the mother has any culpability at all here? I think the mother knew 100% that her son had a gun, and I think that she was too afraid to say anything because she knew that the situation was going to be bad and that the police may end up taking his life. But it ended up happening is he ended up taking two officers' lives before he ended up being shot and stopped. So I think that was a huge problem. Another issue is, is when you show up to a scene and you're asking, well, where, where is your son? Well, he's in the back bedroom. Well, why is he there? Why is the door shut? You know, there's a lot of red flags. And I'm not going to Monday Night Quarterback. These these two officers were heroes. They did everything right. There's you know nothing more they could have done. Um, but but I think this situation could have probably been handled differently if this woman was forthcoming. She never once mentioned he had a gun. And on top of that, Frank, it wasn't just a gun. On top of ha- having a 45 caliber Glock, he had a, a, a drum magazine. It looked like a, a Tommy gun. You know, and, and, and some people with the Second Amendment, they start coming at me for this nonsense. I'm 
for 100% people being able to defend themselves and having firearms. But there is no purpose in life whatsoever for anyone to have something that looks like a Tommy gun in their home just because. I don't know what war you think you're going to. Maybe if you're doing like sports shooting or something like that, maybe. But just to have, just to buy... You know, you're, you're going to cause chaos in any community with something like that. So we have to be realistic, you know. And, and, and the first thing, and Frankie, you've been in politics for a while, the first thing you're going to hear from so many politicians is stricter gun laws. New York City, New York State has some of the strictest gun laws. The problem is, is they're not enforcing those laws on criminals that get caught with the guns. You know, these criminals are not going and legally buying handguns. Right. They're not buying rifles. Right. They're getting them on the black market. They're getting them from other criminals. So the purpose is when we catch them, throw them in jail, lock away the key, and let's have some accountability. Yeah, and uh, it's just such a shame. The more you read about uh, officers Rivera and Mora, they both seem like such great guys, and uh, especially given the fact that um, Officer Mora was an organ donor and he's still saving people's lives in death really says a lot about uh, about them. Now, uh, Joe, our radio station is doing a moment of silence Friday morning at 9 a.m. We're also giving away complimentary back the blue pins. People can get it at WABCradio.com slash pin. Uh, those of us that are not police officers, help us out, Joe. Does that stuff make a difference in terms of officer morale? When when uh, when sometimes police officers, when you see them on the street, I see folks saying thank you for your service. Does that make a difference among cops in terms of their psychology and their mentality? Or do real cops view that as sort of corny? Help us out here. Not at all, Frank. When someone goes up to you and and, and because we went through such hell the last couple of years with all these riots and, you know, the defund the police and police are terrible. When we have someone come out of the blue and say, thank you, we appreciate you, we need you, we want more of you, we see you, that goes such a long way. It reminds that officer of why they showed up to work, why they put on that uniform, strapped on that vest and buckled up that gun belt. You know, we're there for the community. It sounds stupid and corny and cliche, but you don't do this because you make a ton of money. You don't do it because you're going to get a great contract or be off on the holidays because it's the complete opposite. You're going to work odd tours. You might think you're going to leave the end of that tour and be told, hey, you're going to do a double. You have a detail tomorrow. You have court. It's not the easiest job whatsoever, but when people show you that little tiny bit of gratitude, that's when you're like, this is all worth it, You know, especially when you see them smile or you see that little kid that that's like, hey, I want to be a police officer one day or, or thank you. It's amazing. You know, it, it really makes it go uh, so much further and continues the, I guess you could say, the good spirit of you looking forward to continuing to do the job that you set out to do. L- lastly, Joe, if people want to help make a donation to Blue Lives Matter NYC and help families like the Mora and Rivera family and a lot of the other families that you help, what's the best way for them to do that? Frank, I'm glad you brought that up because not even so much for my organization at this moment, which is a 501c3 and tax deductible, but we actually have a fundraising campaign for these two officers where we teamed up with the Detective Rafael Ramos Foundation and we teamed up with the NYPD Hispanic Society with a commemorative T-shirt honoring these two heroes. We're shipping everywhere in the United States and overseas. 100% of the proceeds that come in will be split evenly amongst the two families going forward. So you can go to BlueLivesMatterNYC.org. You can 
see that. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to, most importantly, it's not even the donation to the family at this point. It's that when you wear that shirt, someone's going to be standing behind you and see their shield numbers and their names and say, those two guys are heroes. I want to know more about them. I want to hear about that story. And it keeps their memory alive. And that's the number one thing and the number one reason why we started this organization. Joe, it is always a treat to talk with you. I'm sorry that it so often seems to follow on the heels of tragedy. Thanks for coming on with me. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for having me.